everyone. My name is Irvin. I'm John. And I'm Kyle. And this is The Theology Podcast. So we are in a season where we are talking about the discipline of mourning, mourning our sin, suffering, and death, which are realities we see in our world. And as we behold all this brokenness around us and in us, we wonder how do we as God's people respond appropriately? And in scripture, we see it is the discipline, the practice of mourning. There's always had a place among the people of God. We see this in places like Psalm 51, where it's a very famous Psalm written by David confessing his sin after a very nasty situation in the Old Testament. So as Christians, as readers of the New Testament, where do those disciplines of mourning and lament and confession come in? One of the places we see this and the passage we're going to look at today is the epistle of James, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And it reads, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we see here there's an imperative instruction to confess given how powerful its effects can be. So I guess I want to just throw it out to my friends and colleagues here today. What do we think about the need to confess in our lives and in the church here today? Yeah, this is one of those passages that, you know, uh, I've read a lot when I was young. And even as an adult, I kind of like try to move past it quickly, you know, yeah. because it's a bit uncomfortable. Confess. Confess for what? You know, you, you may ask. And in, in our context, we usually use the word confess in the sense of, oh, you confess to someone that you like the person, you know. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. not in a religious con context. Yeah, that's uncomfortable actually. Mm. Yeah. So for myself, it's something that I realize I need to wrestle with. Yeah, that's good. And also in the broader context of this letter in the passage that we that you just read, John, James has a deeper theology behind this list of things. It's not just a quick, you know, quick response or a, an FAQ at the end of the book. Oh, what do I do if I'm suffering? What do I do if I'm sick? Oh, here, check this box. Okay, done, finished. No, there's something else going on here. And I think he's talking more about the purity and the wholeness of the community altogether, of the Christian community of believers. So this Jesus community. And so when he's talking about confession here, I think he's, he's trying to get them to realize we have to acknowledge our brokenness one to another we have to open up to one to another and be vulnerable in a way in order for healing to happen, in order for us to be whole, made whole by God and to move forward as God's holy people. Yeah. And like Irvin said, that is uncomfortable in the sense that it's not nice for me to open up about the ways that I am broken. I don't want, normally, I don't want people to know me for, oh, John is, oh, wow, look at him and all the ways that he's fallen and so flawed. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. And yet it has a place in community building, community formation. It's it's almost like the barriers come down when I'm able to tell someone, hey, you know, I'm not as perfect as I would like to be. I am weak and I need help. 
Yeah, and that's kind of the standard that's being described in this passage. But, you know, like even within our own church heritage, we have a very poor understanding of what confession should look like. Traditionally, on Sunday mornings, we have like our invitation song. Some types of churches have like the altar call, like the chance for someone to come up and to confess. And usually it has to do with some sort of big public sin. Oh, that person was caught in adultery or that person was seen out, you know, public drunkenness one night during the week or something like that. Something big and dramatic. We feel like that's the need for public confession. And this this doesn't just say, okay, well, I can do this individually on a private level, and this is private confession between me and God. But this says there's a there's some something in between those two things, from being a complete individual and secretly just sharing my thoughts and confessions to God in my closet, compared to standing up before the entire congregation and saying, "Here I am. These are this, these are all the list of things that I've done wrong." There's something in between those things, and I think it comes from being in authentic community with fellow believers. And so I guess for us, you know, you ask, well, what, what would it look like if we were more of a confessing community or confessing church? Well, it would look like reading the Psalms more frequently in mm, small groups yeah. and saying, hey, you know what? I really identify with this feeling or this mm. emotion or not being good enough in this way. And then talking about it a little bit more yeah, with people yeah. that I trust. And letting the Psalms speak for you. Yeah. Giving mm. you language to express yeah. your deepest feelings. Yeah. I think one other thing that I realize is as an Asian, as a, as a Singaporean, I find it very hard to confess in public because, mm. you know, for us having the face culture, yes. yeah, mm. if, if I confess publicly that I made a small sin, what if people are thinking that I probably have a whole closet full of worse sins? Mm. Right, you know? right. Mm. Yeah. And so I think we can take the Psalms, we can even take Psalm 51 and say, well, David is a good example of that we can follow. We can emulate these types of things and carry and carry that further. And the other thing I like about this also is that it's not just about confessing wrongdoing, but it's also confessing our posture, our position in relationship to God. And so sometimes it's just confessing how great and how perfect God is in relation to how broken or how sinful we might be. And that's that's confession as yeah. well. Yeah. And being able to confess the goodness of God is really the helpful balance, I think, when we confess our brokenness. I, I think we normally think about confession in that dirty light. Yeah, like I, I go up there and show how dirty I am. And when we bring that before God, we think, oh, surely God must be angry and upset with me because I'm such a bad person. But really, when we also confess the goodness of God, we know that we can come to Him in confidence because He is so good that He will be compassionate and gracious enough to bear with our shortcomings. And I don't know about you guys, but I often forget that part of God and I need to actively call it to mind and actively say it and articulate it in my prayer so that I can have the confidence to continue in this relationship with God where I constantly come in with my brokenness and receive his healing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be something big and grand and verbose. I was thinking earlier of an example of like, you know, sometime where I let my kids down and I have to say, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, I got too angry at you or I overreacted or I, I told you I was going to do something and I didn't do it. And that is a simple confession to my child. Mm. Uh, but it's, a level of authenticity. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So you were asking Kyle a question earlier about what kind of community do we become as we learn the discipline and the practice of confession? And to go off that example, when you confess to your kids and admit, you know, I did something wrong, that seems to foster a greater level of trust, a greater level of intimacy. And so what would that look like as a church? What if we 
were to become more open in confessing with one another. And perhaps one of the great stereotypes of church is that, oh, church is just a holy place. It's full of these perfect people who never do anything wrong in their life. And maybe as we learn to confess, as we become comfortable with admitting, no, we are broken people. Maybe that makes us more loving to each other that I can look on my fellow brother and sister and, and bear with their sufferings because I know they bear with mine. Maybe we can become more loving to our community around us because we realize that they are broken in much the same way as we have admitted ourselves to be broken. And there can be empathy and there can be greater compassion. And as James says, there can be healing. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Confession and prayer lead to healing. I mean, in this context, I think it's about the people who are literally sick. But I do believe that there is a much Spiritually more, as well. Yeah, yeah. Spiritual reality to that. And the Lord will raise him up. The Lord will resurrect this person to new life. Yeah. You'll be healed and you receive new life. Yeah. Imagine if we all in the community of Jesus followers, if we all practice that on a regular basis. Wow. That's all we have for this week on the Theology Podcast. See you next week.